0: Growing up a childhood actor has been a challenge for many stars of the past. Today, my guest, a very popular child star, has proven that scenario was not going to be a part of his story. From numerous roles in television and in an Oscar-winning film, my guest today is still going strong. Who is it? That's all ahead on Up Next. Hey everyone, it's John Contratti, and this is Up Next. Today, my guest is an actor of television and film. We all first discovered him as Ernie Douglas on a classic sitcom, My Three Sons. Since then, he's appeared in numerous television series, movies. He's also an author of the book, The Importance of Being Ernie, From My Three Sons to Mad Men, A Hollywood Survivor Tells All. I've got to say, it's a long title. I've, I've written three books, and if I put the three titles together, they're not as long as that one title. Welcome. Welcome, Barry Livingston. How are you? I'm good, John. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So um, you grew up in Los Angeles. I did. Yes. Born in Hollywood, actually. Literally born in Hollywood. Before My Three Sons, you were working. Tell us some of the things that you did before My Three Sons.
1: Uh, well, I, you know, I've done a, a few uh, feature films. Uh, My Six Loves with Debbie Reynolds and Cliff Robertson and The Aaron Boy with Jerry Lewis. Uh, Papa's Delicate Condition with Jackie Gleason. Uh, and probably most prominently, I was a recurring character on The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. Um, did uh, play the neighbor boy, Barry, did 16 episodes. So it was a pretty substantial recurring role. I think I, I got my very first guest star billing on on the Ozzie and Harriet show, uh, thanks to the Nelsons. Uh, they were a great family. And, and uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I was
0: working pretty consistently before Sons. Right, And before you also did the Lucy show before My Three Sons? Uh, yeah, actually, well, it was almost concurrently because I had
1: had came onto my three sons as a uh, as a uh, friend next door. I wasn't a brother yet, so I had time. I wasn't in every episode. I was in maybe, you know, they were doing whatever thirty four episodes back in the day a season. I was probably in eighteen or something like that. So I had time. So yes, uh, Lucy's the Lucy Show, not I Love Lucy, but the Lucy Show shot on the soundstage right next door to where we shot my three sons so you know it was just a quick walk you know from our soundstage to theirs to do the lucy show and yes i did do a couple episodes um with lucy playing uh gail gordon's son mm-hmm. and then I, the following year I, I was officially adopted and became a, you know a a son so i didn't have time to do any more lucy's
0: so we know your brother stanley was on my three sons as chip really did you ha- I never knew that you didn't know that oh I'm, I, I'm glad i filled you in on that one i have to read the credits did you visit the set before you were on that show did you hang out there for a little bit oh
1: of course yeah you know and and some of that was convenient some of it was by design my mother was you know savvy to the fact that you know you, you people see you in this business you can you know people are discovered and you know Schwab's drugstore at the soda fountain. So, you know, I was working. Uh, the production people there knew I was I was an actor, and fairly successful. Uh, and I was Stan's brother. So, uh, yeah, I, I spent some time on the set. Um, just knew everybody, and they knew me. So, this was occurred long before I was really officially hired to be on the show. So, um, you know, again, it, whether that helped get me the role or not, it didn't hurt, I guess. But
0: yeah, I, I was definitely there. When you got the role as the neighbor, did you know it was going to be a long run or did that come afterwards?
1: Well, you know, we didn't know. Um, and I think um, I, it might have been right at the time the show transferred from ABC to CBS. So, yeah, it was a little bit of uncertainty. ABC lost faith in the show. They thought maybe it, it played out its, its popularity because um, I came on in the fourth year, I guess it was. Uh, so they didn't want to, they didn't want to re up. Uh, and so back in the day, the producer, Don Federson shopped it around and, and CBS bought the show. So, uh, you know, we were kind of you know, wondering where it would, was going to go. I mean, there was no guarantees. The show would run for another eight years, but it did. And also, uh, you know, William Frawley had left the show, which was, he you know, was a very popular show. Um, you know, he was ill and then was replaced by William Demarest. So, yeah, there was a few uncertainties. We didn't, we didn't really know what the future was.
0: Right. Uh, people always say they always found that Bub, William Farley character, was a little bit more calmer than Uncle Charlie, William Demarest. He seemed more cranky. How were they outside of the set?
1: What you saw on screen was pretty much what they were minus the four-letter words. Um, you know, particularly with Farley, he was pretty uncensored. Uh, which was part of his charm, you know, I mean, it, it was no filter and he, you know, you appreciated that part of his personality because he just didn't care and you know, uh, so you know, you go great Well, you know, he got away with it, everyone tolerated it, it was kind of funny, most times, you know, it was never done in anger, it was usually in frustration or something over a line or some something that bugged him, um, but he was, you know, very sweet to us the kids. Uh, my brother and I particularly liked Bill Frawley. And then uh, William Demarest was kind of the same kind of guy, you know, but sort of a, a hard-nosed, tough guy, uh, you know, but uh, a little a, a little less warm in some areas than Frawley. Um, you know, I think uh, Frawley, you know, was a big drinker, so that his machine was well-oiled all the time. And I think uh, Demarest, was uh was a recovering alcoholic. So you know he, he was a little more uh, on edge. Uh, but nonetheless both guys were were terrific to work with. They were they were wonderful to us.
0: Did you see the film Being the Ricardos? Speaking of did, and Farrell, did, what did you think?
1: Yes, I was very interested in seeing uh you know, because I knew obviously Lucy. I knew Bill Frawley and I knew Desi Arnaz because I did a pilot actually that never sold for Desi called The Two of Us. And this was years before i did even their show so i yeah i had a, a more than passing interest in in uh the show and uh, i thought it was good i thought i thought uh, nicole kidman just nailed lucy's voice because it was mid lucy it was not the young vivacious vocal cords. it was the one that was sort of now a little bit you know steeped in a, lo- a lot of cigarette smoke and a little lower and a little, a little more gravelier and you know, not what I'm doing, but it was better than that. But but she, I thought she nailed that. And I thought the whole tone of the show pretty much caught, you know, the, what I recall those personalities being, um, you know, particularly Frawley, who, again, was cantankerous, but Lucy loved him and unfiltered. And he and Vivian had a pretty cantankerous relationship. Um, but worked well on screen. And then Desi was just a big laughing guy that I recall all the time. You know, he, was, uh, he wasn't he on the set, you know, when when I was doing the I Love Lucy, they had already separated. But again, like I say, I, I kind of knew him, you know, from back in the day. And so, yes, I, I was very pleased. I thought that they captured that the spirit of the show and the characters really well.
0: And finally, Frederick Murray. Um, see, growing up, I saw My Three Sons in reruns. And so okay. them when they originally aired. So what I knew of Fred McMurray is from Disney films. You know, we'd see a bunch of Disney films with him. What was he like?
1: Um, it, very private, you know, um, very soft-spoken guy, but but private. And almost people would think aloof, but not really. He was more of a shy person, really. I mean, he, you know, he was a major star by the time he came to My Three Sons. This was 1960 when it came on. and he'd been a star for probably well over 25 years and, and, you know, had, had, you know, had climbed the ladder of fame and success as about as high as you could in Hollywood having done, you know, double indemnity and the King mutiny and all the Disney movies, absent-minded professor and on and on and on. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he lived in kind of a different stratus than the kids, you know, he was lived in Bel Air and had his circuit of pals and he was a golfer on. Um, but you know, um, it was a very kind of cordial, uh, respectful relationship that we had with him. It never transcended into uh, come to the house for a barbecue this weekend, or I'm, I'm taking you all on a you know trip to the see the Dodgers play. You know, it was not not any kind of uh, you know outside of that of, of working on the soundstage that we have much relationship but that said he was always very generally protective of us and really very uh very warm guy on on some levels but on another level he kept everyone at arm's distance I thought
0: so the show ended in 1972 were you concerned at first you know getting more roles
1: well yeah my parents had kind of alerted me to uh the idea that it's not going to just be, you know, as easy maybe as it was as a kid, not that it was easy, but, uh, but we are in a transition stage. They were well aware of, of the pitfalls of being on a television series and being typecast as a kid, particularly, uh, you know, it was a pretty rocky road for, for a lot of my peers. So, um, you know, they were constantly (laughs) reminding me, uh, that there's no givens in this business. That you're, you know, don't expect that, you know, you're going to be handed a career here. You're going to really have to work for it. Um, so that was always in the back of my mind. Um, but you know, I was lucky. Right, right after Sons, I did You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, the musical, um, and I did it. You know, Hall of Mark Hall of Fame. So that was a, you know, I, I was preparing to do, you know, what, what most young actors my age would do. I was taking cl- acting classes and dance and singing. And, a, you know, and again, I got lucky with catching a good fair amount of guest star roles. Um, you know, Streets of San Francisco and Ironsides, Room 222, some, some of the shows of that era. So, you know, I, I kind of was encouraged that, that I didn't just flame right out. Um, and I did another series after Sons called Sons and Daughters. So yes, I, I had uh, the sense that maybe I had a future and um, but that said, you know, it wasn't easy. And uh, you know, I was young adult and trying to find my way through uh, all the pitfalls of Hollywood being a a young, young man. (laughs) And so, uh, and, you know, keep focused on the work, which is what I tried to
0: do. So in recent years, we've seen you on Mad Men, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Will and Grace. So when you go onto these sets, does My Three Sons come up? Do they say, hey, it's Ernie?
1: Um. Well, they don't look exactly like Ernie, but eventually something comes out. Uh, you know, yes, it, it, and it depends how old the cast is. <laughs> you know, the young people, when I did Mad Men, which was kind of a, a fun show, uh, we had to do a uh, they had some rehearsing we had to do prior to a scene where we were in a bar and we're all dancing so they wanted us to be dancing correct you know period stuff you know the jerk and the twist and the mashed potato and all that stuff so the cast had assembled this and I did the show right before right before it really took off it it just was there was a buzz about Mad Men uh, and I'd heard it actually before I got the job But anyway, the young people on the show, the young actors, you know, we were in a big rehearsal room and learning the dance and, you know, and doing all these things. And nobody nobody paid much attention. You know, I mean, there was just another actor there for the week. Uh, But Matthew Weiner, who was the creator of the show, was was very funny because he, uh, you know, eventually came in to watch us, you know, what we were doing and liked it. And then but as he was leaving, he, he walked up to me and very quietly said, and of course, he's the showrunner, too. So all eyes are actors are always watching the showrunner. You know, they're going, what's he up to? Who's he talking to? But he kind of walked up to me and he, he very quietly, but loud enough that other people could hear it. He goes, I know who you are. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. And th- that's all he said to me, because I know who you are. And so we walked up and then you could see all the other actors who heard that all kind of were like meerkats, their heads all kind of went up and went like, well, who is he? Why? Why did Matthew go up to this guy who was, you know, a, a guest star for the week? Not that big a role, frankly, but it was there for a few scenes. Uh, who is he? So, you know, it was funny that, that sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it's just somebody actually recognizes you. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's always very nice.
0: So you also appeared in films, and you appeared in really big films, Zodiac, Social Network, Argo. Argo
1: yeah, Argo won Best Picture. even. Won best um, Picture.
0: How yes. Did that, how did is. that come today? How would you get into
1: Argo? Uh, I was on kind of a roll doing some nice feature film work. Um, you know, I luckily had came into the, uh, the world of David Fincher, the great director that we have. And uh, I had to actually got hired to do a commercial with Brad Pitt and it showed it as a Super Bowl once or twice. And that's it here in America. And, uh, but then I met David and then David, um, you know, uh, went on to, direct, you know, David's directed some amazing movies over the years, Fight Club and Panic Room and, and uh, you know, Benjamin Button and all these, you know, Zodiac. So, you know, anyway, when those came about, uh, I got a call to come in and, would you, would you be interested? And uh, I said, of course, you know, so, uh, and then, and then social network came about. So, yeah, it was, you know, one of those things that you just never know, you do a commercial, you know, you go, well, I'm happy for the work and the money, but it was working for one of the top directors too, who remembered me. And uh, when it came time to do one of his big films, you know, I got the call to come in and work with him.
0: Right. And then Argo was directed by Ben Affleck.
1: Argo was directed by Ben. Apparently there was a request by Ben, the casting lady, Laura Kennedy at Warner brothers. Uh, I guess he saw us probably social network or something. Uh, And, and I think he, he asked her to bring me in. And so uh, I, you know, read, read for her and uh, it went well. And uh, that was it, you know, Um, you know, it's a, it was a great story. I'd never heard that that fantastic story about the hostages escaping, one escaping actually from the, the embassy in the Iranian uh, hostage takeover of the of the embassy. So I just went, "Wow, it's a great story!" You know, unbelievably great story. I'd never heard. Um, and so, anyway, so you know, uh, wound up working with with Ben, and um, that was that was you know one best picture. Can't can't get better than that. Right.
0: I mentioned earlier that you have an autobiography that you wrote a couple years back aside from telling us about growing up in Hollywood, um, what else can you tell us about that book? What did you include? Uh, well, you know, it's funny, because I, I try to focus on things that I thought, you know, were
1: important to my my evolution as a human being, as well as my career, just, uh, and I finished it, and the editor uh, said, well, have you got anything else? And I, I went, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I'm, and particularly there was a, you know, what else he got, you know, where you could just talk about anybody else important. I said, well, you know, I kind of met Elvis Presley one time and had is what you didn't include the story about Elvis. (laughs) I was like, well, you know, it was, it was a crazy little encounter, but it wasn't like changed my life in any way uh, other than, you know, I met the King and uh, we, I was doing my six loves uh, at Paramount and he was on the lot shooting uh, shooting I don't know what whatever movie he was shooting at that time at Paramount but anyway I was out riding my bike around the lot had some free time and I came across a, a, a limousine idling outside of a soundstage beautiful white Cadillac and i just like wow you know it's this really super beautiful car and the door was open and I uh, peeked inside and you know looked at all the all the contraptions and all the accessories you know everything's gold trimmed and cabinetry and bar and a tv which blew my mind that there would be a tv and a car this is probably 1963 uh, anyway delvis camp came out and kind of came up behind me and saw me and is you know say hello hey there kid you know you like to like like, like like what you see and i'm like oh yeah you know he goes well wow. he just had it customized. they brought it over to show him and he was just gonna take a little little spin around the lot not even go off a lot but just get in it and press some of the buttons and see what works and what doesn't. And anyway, he said, do you want to come along? So I was like, Yeah, hell yeah. And so anyway, wound up taking about a two or three, four, five-minute ride with, with Elvis and we watched a he turned on the TV and we watched Popeye and uh not a whole lot of conversation. You know, I was 10, I guess, or something like that. And maybe he knew me from the Aussie and Harriet show or you know he didn't ask me anything other than he probably i'm sure he must have known because you know he and rick knew each other so he probably recognized me from as an actor and didn't talk about it but um you know it was that was kind of something in the book that i talked about and experiences with carl reiner and and the experiences i had working with uh, later in my career with with you know david fincher and robert downey jr and um you know, all the great people that I've had this, this good fortune to come into contact with.
0: What advice would you give to young people who want to start acting at a, you know, at an early age? I mean, is it different now?
1: Yeah. I mean, social media has altered the landscape a lot that, you know, I mean, the best, the best advice is just be prepared and, and and study as much as you can and get on any stage that you can to, to work and enjoy the journey. Cause the, you know, can be a bumpy road And you have to enjoy the ups as much as the downs, and that's hard to do because it it can be extremely frustrating. Uh, But if you love the craft and you're, you know, I mean, luck is opportunity meets preparation. So, um, you know, if you're prepared and you get an opportunity, uh, you're usually going to get somewhere. So that's that's the best advice you can give somebody. And, you know, because if you don't love it, (laughs) if you're doing it for all the fame, you're yeah, you may get somewhere, but but if you're really good at what you do, your chances are are even better.
0: One of your latest projects is a film called Notorious Nick, which I believe is a true story. Very, uh, very cool,
1: interesting story about a, a mixed martial arts boxer named Nick Newell. A true story that he was born with a congenital defect and only had one arm. Actually, his forearm was missing. I think it was the left arm. So, but anyway, Nick, you know, you know, having that kind of a disability, you know, presents <laughs> a lots of disadvantages in, in your world and your life. And, you know, it's, where do you go? So you're very limited. But he uh, chose the path of becoming a, a, a fighter with one arm. Uh, crazy story, really. And, and but again, you know, he has the heart of a lion, you know, and, and no matter what people told him. To, you know, do something else, you're only going to get hurt because you can't fight, a, you know, mixed MMA is, is a brutal sport, you know, you're going to get brain damaged, you know, and let alone, you know, win a fight. How do you defend yourself in that kind of world? Anyway, I played his uh, high school, high school wrestling coach, uh, which he got into wrestling against all odds and, and succeeded, um, you know, but again, he, he's just a fighter. He's a warrior. And uh, with the heart of a warrior and anyway, uh, you know, his life kind of had some ups and downs after school, after high school. But he eventually, you know, decided to to pursue, you know, get into mixed martial arts and uh, nobody wanted to represent him. You know, nobody wanted to help him, train him. So, you know, because they went, well, what's, you know, what's the upside? I mean, uh, this looks like a big waste of time to me. So I was his coach in high school. He comes back to me and we, we, you know, convinces me to help him. And lo and behold, you know, he he overcame all of the obstacles. Again, the fighters in MMA went, well, I can't fight this guy. You know, if a, what if, if I beat him, I would have beat up a one-armed guy. And if he beats me, you know, I just got beat by a one-armed guy. That, does, that doesn't look good, good for my reputation either way. Uh, so anyway, you know, long story short, he, he eventually uh, got a shot at the title. And uh, the rest is history. You'll have to watch the movie to see how it ends yeah and where can we
0: see i know it's streaming somewhere
1: uh it's amazon prime right now um you know and i think some other platforms voodoo i'm not sure if it's on hulu but voodoo apple itunes uh uh, you know uh, i think if you google it you'll probably be able to just google notorious nick you know rent or or buy it's available on dvd so uh, but you know i think amazon prime as far as i know is maybe the, the biggest channels the streaming yeah. channel. That and the on. cast
0: includes Kevin Pollack and who plays Nick in the movie?
1: Uh, a guy named Cody Christian, who is quite, you know, f- famous, and, you know, great guy. He was on uh, teen wolf and he's currently on a show called all American. Uh, and I guess has a, an enormous social media following him. Millions and millions of young girls love him. Uh, he's a good looking guy and a talented actor. And he's, he plays uh he plays Nick Newell um, yeah, and he's terrific at it. It's a, it's, it's a really inspiring movie for kids. You know, it's a family movie to, to some degree. You know, it's a lot of a lot of fighting, a lot of action. But uh, but it's a good message, you know, to follow your dreams and, you know, have passion and never let it go.
0: Okay. So the name of my podcast is Up Next. So what's up next for you?
1: Uh, well, actually, coming up. In March, I did an episode of a new Hulu series called "How I Met Your Father," so that'll be uh, that'll be coming up. And I did; uh, I've had a recurring role on the TV series Bosch, which uh, was on Amazon too for the last three years. And anyway, that show has uh, been has a new life as Bosch Legacy. If you're familiar with the show, mm-hmm. Bosch w- was a detective for the LAPD. Um, you know that didn't end well in the last episode. If you've seen it, uh, so he's now in a new part of his life where he's a, a, a private detective, not working for the this, the police department anymore. Uh, I play the uh, you know the city. Um, I was an Emmy ME, medical examiner in the past show and sort of popped back up into the new series. So hopefully, it, hopefully it'll uh, you know go for another two three years. I think that'll that'll air in twenty twenty two sometime.
0: Well, Barry, absolute pleasure to meet you and to chat with you. Thank you. Uh, everybody check out Notorious Nick. And if you're up early in the morning on MeTV, My Three Sons is on weekdays every morning. It's a great way to start your day. Uh, have a great 2022. And thanks for being here today.
1: All right. Thank you, John.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for being here, everyone. I'm John Contratti, and you've been listening to Up Next.